Hell, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up and we are live. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio, which is online 24 7, 365 at block50radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all Drew Duncan Radio. TikTok is the real Drew Duncan, the RL Drew Duncan, and so is my YouTube channel, where I do post entire episodes for free. If you don't want to pay for any more podcasts, then head on over to my YouTube channel, the real Drew Duncan, the RL Drew Duncan. Before I get into anything, I want to say that I am sick. Do not feel good. It is a slow creeper, whatever's going on. So if my voice isn't normally what it is, it cracks. You hear some sniffling, some coughing. I apologize. I'm going to try and mute the mic whenever I can, but your boy is feeling it. In addition to having negative three degree weather and snow and everything else around me, so there's that. In the meantime, plenty to get to today. Obviously, we're going to be talking NFL playoffs, Chiefs, Dolphins, Lions, Rams, Texans, Brown, Dak and the Cowboys with the Packers. Plenty to get to with the Bills and Steelers. That game being postponed until tonight. They've already announced they will not be postponed another day despite traveling bans. We're going to be talking Bucks and Eagles tonight as well. Isaiah Bond transfers out of Alabama and heads to Texas. We're going to be talking about the new Alabama head football coach. Plenty to get to today. Well, I tell you what. The Rams-Lions game was pretty much the best game that we've got so far in the playoffs, right? The other games, pretty much blowouts. You know, you, you have that Texans-Browns game start off pretty close. Eventually, yeah, everybody pulled away. You had the Chiefs and Dolphins, which, you know, that game was kind of close for a little bit. The Dolphins had plenty of chances. Obviously, we'll be getting into that later on. But that game was actually a hell of a football game. Offensive in the first half, defensive in the second half, pretty clean game for the most part in terms of turnovers and penalties to me that was actually what the playoffs are really all about when you watch the Rams and the Lions forget the storylines right and all that BS all the outside stuff with you know Stafford and golf and that whole trade that happened and the fact that Stafford already got a Super Bowl and that he played in that stadium for years and years and years and played through that game injured and just forget all that just for a moment and just realize what we all want playoff football to look like. That game, to me, was the definition. I think about all the new fans that have come to this game. I think about all the new fans that the NFL's potentially got, right? I mean, everyone's talking about Taylor Swift and all the new fans. If I am a football fan for life, and I want to point out to a new fan what playoff football is supposed to look like, I'm going to show them that football game from the modern era that is because that was what it's supposed to be Puka Nakua showed the hell out Jared Goff showed the hell out Matt Stafford showed the hell out Williams got hurt in that football game which obviously affected the run game for the LA Rams there's just so many ins and outs to football that you could talk to them about but regardless that is what professional football looks like at this level this is what we expect when we sit down and we watch the playoffs. We want it to be close games. We want it to be good, entertaining games. We want it to be clean games. We want it to be done the right way. 
Look, you're trying to figure out what a bottom line of that football game is. I don't know. I can't really tell you what a bottom line of that football game is. I mean, Detroit, it's been over 30 years since they've won a playoff game. The guy standing on the sideline, who to me is the GOAT at running back, Barry Sanders, was the reason for that win. They beat the Dallas Cowboys, who coincidentally lost on the same day today, or yesterday. Which we're going to be getting into that a little bit later on. But for me, it was huge just because, you know, I think Jared Goff needed to get that off of his back. Let's be honest. You know, the Detroit Lions, everybody was talking about the way that they finished last season. And everybody was talking about how good that football team was. And to be honest with you, I wasn't a believer. Because I thought to myself, well, there's been a lot of teams that have done that. And then the next year, they haven't done very well. It's not been something that we haven't seen before. Everybody, you know, talks about the offense and all that and everything. Okay, fine, but what about that defense? And let's not forget, while we were all talking about drops from the Kansas City Chiefs all season long, the Detroit Lions were right there with them, one and two for the majority of the year with drop passes as well. So to me, Jared Goff had it just as tough throughout the season as Patrick Mahomes did. But people weren't talking about how difficult Jared Goff had it. But he did. And he was able to get through it. And he didn't hear Jared Goff complaining. You didn't see Jared Goff get upset. You didn't. I mean, at least it's nothing that I've seen. You know, there were no reports out there that I've seen of Jared Goff going off on anybody. Now, understand, now, I'm not talking bad about Patrick Mahomes. Because I've already said millions of times, in case Kansas City Chief fan is listening here, that Patrick Mahomes, if anybody deserved to have a go-off moment, it was definitely him. Everything he's dealt with off the field, his pop, his brother, all that stuff, guys dropping passes, nobody seemingly paying attention, all the fumbles. If anybody had reason to go off, it was Patrick Mahomes. Just because the approach is different doesn't mean that Patrick Mahomes is any less passionate about the game of football. We don't know what those locker room conversations are like with Jared Goff and his guys. We have no idea. What we do know is this is that when Jared Goff, the lights are on the brightest, that's where we've seen him struggle the most for the most part in his career. I know the L.A. Ram fan is going to go, well, come on, man, what about that game against the Saints? I'm going to give you that game against the Saints, but remember, I said going into that Super Bowl that they were going to make Jared Goff be a quarterback that they didn't think they could lose that football game without her, without Todd Gurley. I don't think the Patriots still to this day thought, well, if – Gurley's in the game. We're not going to be okay if he's gone and we make Jared Goff beat us. Not going to happen. And I'm not saying that Jared Goff is ultimately the reason why the Lions won that football game, but I'm certainly not saying he's not either because that was a ballsy call at the end of that football game to ensure first down. Let's not forget that there were two ill-advised timeouts that were taken by the L.A. Rams to try and avoid penalties. Let's not forget that Stafford was playing through an injury, but all those could be excuses. At the end of the day, Stafford came back in. Puka Nukua came back in. They were obviously cleared of concussion protocol. They were cleared of any injuries, although you could see Stafford wincing. I just don't think that ultimately that would have mattered. The reality is is that Jared Goff played out of his mind football, and nobody has been more critical of Jared Goff than myself. 
I'm talking since before he was even in the NFL. Now, do I think that one game suddenly makes him the best quarterback in the NFL? No, I do not. Obviously, they're going to get a playoff game at home next weekend. We'll be talking about that, obviously, as the week progresses. But in the meantime, for me, he had a hell of a football game. He showed up, and I'm going to give him his due for that game. Because we saw some horrendous quarterback play this weekend, did we not? Dak Prescott, obviously, we saw it with him. So comparatively to what we saw, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford both had hell and I mean hell, of a football game. But there can only be one winner. This is the playoffs. It is win or go home. Detroit did just enough in that second half. And let's not forget defensively what they did in the red zone. Three times the Rams were down there, and they never came away with a touchdown. So you have to give the defense credit for stepping up in making it so that way the Rams had to kick field goals and it wasn't going to be enough against the Detroit Lions. Were there some bad play calls down there? You know, look, I I thought for the most part the Rams were really good with their play calling. You've got a quarterback like Matthew Stafford that everybody builds up. You might as well put the ball in his hands, especially with Williams hurt. You don't know how healthy he really is. Why not put the ball in your guy's hands? And we all know that Stafford's the guy that wants the ball in his hands. So to me, it was the right decision. Cooper Cup is still your main guy, regardless of how Puka Nakua has played in the season and played in that playoff game. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. Plenty more to get to. We're going to take a break, though, and pay these bills. Don't you dare touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live. The program is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which can be found online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, it's all Block 50 Radio. Guys, if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to my YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Still plenty to get to today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the Chiefs and Dolphins. We're going to be talking about the new Alabama head coach. We're going to be talking about Isaiah Bond transferring to Texas. We're going to be talking Texans-Browns, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys and Packers. We're going to be talking about Bills and Steelers and Bucks. Eagles a little bit later on. Plenty to get to today. Don't know if we're going to have time to talk about Coach Brown losing his mind and getting ejected. Dame time at the end of that one. So if we have time, we're going to be talking Bucks and Kings as well. And really quick here, I want to address something. Because I posted a video, an old school video, And the title is, When Football Was Football. And I've had a lot of people in my comment section really pissed off at me. 
oh man, I guess you you hate OSHA and I guess you hate unions. Oh man, I guess you like it when it was like thumbs up or thumbs down when, you know, lions to the Christians, bro, Roman times. Oh man, I bet you like people with CTE, don't you? Oh, it's a shame that they made the game safer for everybody. Look, I'm going to address a couple of things. First of all, nobody's going to call me a boomer, bro. I just turned 40 in November of 2023. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not a boomer. My old man had documentaries for days. Cassius Clay, when he was still Clay, the first time he fought Sonny Liston. The Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, I've seen all the big-time Muhammad Ali fights and the full documentary surrounding them I don't know how many times. He had all these games from the 80s taped, and I watched them over and over and over again as a kid growing up. When I look at the video that I posted, which was from the Cleveland Browns and Denver Broncos, the, the game that was the drive that really made John Elway noticeable in the game of football, the things that I noticed were running backs were out blocking. Everybody was diving for fumbles. When Denver picked off a football, everybody went to go and try and make a block right away. You, you had perfect technique in terms of wrapping up. And you heard it on the Detroit Lions game last night when Chris Collinsworth, and this is something I already knew, but I'm glad it was finally said on a national level because I've talked about it before and it's been said a million times, and that is you would rather get hit up top in the chest area than you would down low in the legs. And we saw that with the Rams, didn't we? And when I talk about wrapping up, didn't we see a play where, oh, man, Puka Nakua got away, and look at that. If Brody just would have wrapped up, Puka Nakua wouldn't have got that first down. I was talking about things like that, technique and proper wrap-up tackling, keeping your face up and all that stuff instead of flying in head first, which is far and away more dangerous, especially to the guy trying to make the tackle. But because of the rules and the way that they are, this is how they are taught. And so we are seeing less technique and form and proper tackling in today's football game. And it's far and away more dangerous, and you can't convince me otherwise. I am all for player safety. But if the NFL, and I've talked about this before too, wants to truly be about player safety, then they need to understand that taking away a preseason game and adding a regular season game, regardless of what Roger Goodell tries to tell us, is not about player safety. That is about one thing and one thing only, and that is about money. Guys get hurt before the season even starts. That's a reality check. Ask Joe Burrow about that. You cannot tell me that they are making the game safer for everybody when they're they're doing well let's get a new helmet let's do this let's do, come on man keep it a buck if you allow the proper tackling instead what do you want to see you want to see that big collision because it's more entertaining to the game right than a proper tackle that's what i'm seeing that's what i mean by that post i've addressed it in the comment section on my youtube channel i've addressed it here I don't think I'm going to make a minute-long video for it. If it gets too far, then I will do it one more time, and then that will be the end of the story. Because I am not going to continuously defend myself. I didn't realize that that comment section was going to turn into what it did, but it is what it is. 
Now we have other things to get to in this program. For instance, Isaiah Bond is transferring from Alabama to Texas, which firstly, I want to be clear about this. You may recall what I said about the new guy coming in. So here's DeBoer's first challenge, right? Because this conversation is going to start of, well, Nick Saban's not there. Are they in trouble? Because after all, Isaiah Bond said that he made a business decision because Nick Saban is leaving. And so now here we go. You're All-American wide receiver, probably the best player that was on the football field for your team all season long, right? Now now it's going to be that conversation of, well, are they in trouble without Nick Saban? It's already starting. Here we go. The collapse of Alabama. But I'll be getting into that a little bit later on. I'm just saying here we go. As far as Texas Longhorn fan goes, well, you, you better be happy. In fact, I don't see why you wouldn't be because obviously Quinn Ewers is headed to the NFL draft, so he's not going to be able to come back and claim eligibility. Malik Murphy transferred, and so now next man up by process of elimination at the bare minimum is Arch Manning. And so now you're going to have a very experienced wide receiver that Arch Manning is going to have. However, there is a huge difference in the way the game is played at Texas versus the way the game is played in Alabama. Now, if this was like 2013 Alabama and Texas was who they are now and this happened, to me it would be a very seamless transition for Isaiah Bond. But Texas football has changed a lot with Coach Sark, and that is predominantly run the football up the middle and then try to hit everybody deep on the seam route. How's that any different from Alabama football? Well, you're missing a couple of key elements. Number one, you're not going to run that option with Arch Manning. It's not going to happen. Number two, you're, you're talking about the duties of a wide receiver. And number three, you're talking about the primary routes that a receiver is going to run. With Texas, you're going to see more rollout plays. You're going to see you know, more – play action you're not going to see as much rpo but you're going to see you know old school play action from pistol from shotgun even under center rolling your quarterback out so you're going to be talking about having a lot more patience with the play development than you would at alabama which is quick it's snappy let's get it done let's get it on let's let's get this no huddle going let's go 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 this is a much more patient offense that he is going to have to be in so there are going to be some significant differences, and he's going to get have, have to get used to his new quarterback, which, again, I pointed out the two-year rule that I believe is in effect in college football with the transfer portal. Again, I cite that it took two years for Jane Daniels at LSU. It took really two years for Bo Nix at Oregon. It took two years for Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. It took two years for Kayla Williams at, at USC. I'm just saying that when when you think about this, when you really think about it, it's a two-year rule in college football for me. Okay? It, th- there could be something out there that proves otherwise. What I'm saying is, you know, you don't have the time that you do in the NFL, which is basically year-round now. You still have rules that you have to adhere to in the NCAA, which are still far more stringent in terms of players hanging out together, practices, drills, all that stuff, a coach able to hang out with this guy, all those things, it's going to be completely different. And you are literally going from one way of doing things to another. 
coaching-wise, philosophy-wise, it is going to be a big change for Isaiah Bond. Whether or not he's going to fit in that locker room is going to be the biggest thing for me. Whether or not he gets with the coaching staff is going to be the second biggest thing. So we'll see. All right, everybody, we got to take a break and pay these bills. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio. They're online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. You can listen to Block 50 Radio on Block50Radio.com. You can check out the latest in hip-hop news. You can check out the latest in sports news, podcasts, etc. It's all right there at Block50Radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, etc. It's all Block 50 Radio. Guys, I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Take advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, etc. Wherever you're listening, I am there. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, Head on over to my YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, VRL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking Chiefs Dolphins here momentarily. Obviously, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking Dak and the Cowboys, their future, along with the Green Bay Packers. We're going to be talking about the Bills and Steelers tonight. We're going to be talking about the Bucks and Eagles. We've got that on tap as well. If we have time, we're going to get to the Bucks and Kings. That was a hell of a dramatic basketball game, man. Damn. We're going to be talking about DeBoer, the new coach at Alabama. Plenty to get to today. You know, first of all, I, I do want to get this out of the way because a lot of people saw my post on social media. And look, I, I said it at the end of that video. And I know a lot of people don't listen longer than 30 seconds today, but it is what it is. You know, I I did say that I can't believe that they were going to go ahead and allow that Chiefs game to happen. I mean, it was just as cold in Kansas City. Now, obviously, weather conditions for Buffalo were a little bit different because of the snow and the wind and blowing everything everywhere, which we'll get into that a little bit later on. But, you know, I, I was just in as much shock over the Chiefs game going on is I was anything else. And I stood up and said, look, they should not be playing this game. Negative five with the wind chill. You know, I, I cited Dr. Ford, who is out of Cleveland, by the way. And one of the things that he talked about was the lung damage that it can do within 15 to 30 minutes of breathing in the cold. And whenever you step outside, he talked about what it feels like, that stinging sensation and what it represents once it hit, hits your lungs. And so there were a lot of ins and outs there. Of course, and again, what, one of the things people talked about was, could Miami play in the cold? Look, I don't, I don't think it was about whether or not Miami could play in the cold. I think it was really 
all about play calling. If there was any game this weekend where I looked at it and I said, this is unequivocally the worst play calling that I've seen, it was certainly from Mike McDaniels. You know, look, Kansas City was willing to push the ball up the field. You know, uh, granted, they ran the football a lot better than the Miami Dolphins did. I I'll give you that all day long. They were willing to be a little bit more physical. They were better being physical in that football game. That's fine. But they, when they threw the football, they weren't just throwing it behind the line of scrimmage and dinking and dunking it like it was Peyton Manning all over again, any of that stuff. They were taking legitimate shots down the field and putting pressure on that defense. The reality is Mike McDaniels just got out coached by Andy Reid. That is exactly what happened. The Kansas City Chiefs have not been great inside the red zone all year long. I would love to give that Miami Dolphins defense credit because really for the most part, they were in that football game. I mean, even though it, 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 you look at the scoreboard, you go, man, they're not really in this thing. They were. It wasn't that bad. You know, at 19-7, you just need even a field goal puts you in a better position. You know, you make it 19-10 to 10 midway through the third quarter or something, you, you still got plenty of time to make things happen. It just, you know, it was symptomatic really to me of one of two things. Either Mike McDaniels was scared and decided, well, I'm going to come up with this game plan that I think is going to work best in the weather instead of having the, the balls to push the thing down the field, or he didn't trust Tua. You know, and look, I want everybody to know something in case you're brand new here. I have been on the side of Tua all season long. I have been on the side of Tua because I've told people, look, the Miami Dolphins, they are the team with the winning record. You know, you can't beat a team with a winning record. They are the team with the winning record that other teams can't beat. But I want to be clear about that. I want to be clear that I, to me, Tua should have been in the conversation for the MVP. I want to be very clear about that. I want to be very clear that I've also said, though, that great, this team is fun. Everybody wants to have a beer with them. Everybody wants to smoke with them. Everybody wants to kick it with these guys because they seem like they're a hell of a fun team to be around. But at some point, you got to win a playoff game and you got to show some balls. And they didn't show any of that in the playoffs offensively against the Kansas City Chiefs. I really think that McDaniels is going to look back at that game and regret him holding back as much as he did. He really tried to turn that offense into what was basically a Peyton Manning style of offense with all those throws behind the line of scrimmage. I I just, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, give it. And look, here's the thing. When they finally at the end of the game, when it didn't matter anymore, started taking shots down the field, they were successful. And it wasn't that the Chiefs were really doing anything differently defensively at that point than they had done in any other moment in the game. For whatever reason, M.M. was just not doing what he normally does with his play calling. When he took a shot down the field to Tyreek, caught it and he ran for six. You've got to let your playmakers make plays. The cold weather should not have dictated what he was going to do in that football game, and I think that it did. He played reserved, scary football. 
the antithesis is the Kansas City Chiefs, look, it's not that they're used to that weather. I mean, you know, anybody who follows this show knows that throughout the week, one of the things I talked about was, look, when when you're in the Midwest, January is a horrible month. February is the worst of the worst. March is a tease. April, it's cold and hot, cold and hot. May, it usually stays cool. We really don't heat back up until June. I mean, I've literally seen it 40 degrees in the middle of June, legitimately. I have seen full-on blizzards in April and in May, and I'm not kidding. That's the way that it is in the Midwest. But I don't think being used to it was really what ultimately made Kansas City successful. What made Kansas City successful was opposite of Miami. They were not afraid to push the football down the field. They were not afraid to mix up their play calling. One of the things that I've talked about is the inability to run the football for the Chiefs that they have got to find some balance, and they found that balance at exactly the right time. And they kept putting pressure on that Miami defense, and they didn't back down. While they didn't do great about scoring once they got down in the red zone, they were still putting up points. They were still controlling the line of scrimmage. They were still controlling the clock. Mahomes was still doing Mahomes things. Tua had those turnovers, you know, because the the play calling just got to be so predictive. And Miami was way too cute, you know. Fourth and one, you're thinking about going for it, and 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 what do you do? Or third and one, out of pistol motion plays, you get an offsides, just sneak the damn football up the middle, get the first down, and stay on the drive. Instead, you back yourself up, you don't convert on the next play, and you turn the football over. Just overthinking everything instead of just being yourself and doing sometimes the simple things that need to work in order to win a game of football. Those were the things that the Kansas City Chiefs did, and that is why they won the game. It's really as simple as that. So there's that. They're moving on. Obviously, still have a couple of games tomorrow. So we're going to be talking, or today, I should say. We're going to be talking about that, man. These days are blending together. Guys, still plenty more to get to. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up. Again, please forgive me. I am under the weather, so my voice cracks or breaks or anything like that. I'm not normally as deep as I am with my voice. I mean, that's why. I'm I'm literally the opposite. I don't know how it works, but it does. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Don't you dare touch that gun. Block 50 Global Radio. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up and we are live. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you're listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Radio. They are online 24-7-365 at Block50Radio.com. Do not forget they are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's all Block 50 Radio. 
Guys, if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, you miss the show live on the radio, head on over to my YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Can't promise you there won't be any ads, but I can tell you to be free. The only thing I ask is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me. Quick reminder here, man, I am I'm sick. I don't know what it is. I'm not feeling very good. My whole body feels weak. I've been tired. I've been sleeping off and on as much as I can anyways with the playoffs going on this weekend. I slept yesterday till about 1.30 or so, and I jumped up because I, I looked over at my phone. I was like, what time is it? And it was like, oh, good. You know, the playoffs haven't started yet. So the Bills game not being on, I was able to sleep in a little bit. And I'm just so exhausted. I got woke up at about 6 o'clock in the morning. I just could not sleep. And it's been slowly creeping. And it, it feels like it's getting worse. And it's really weird how my voice works. I don't get it. It is so much deeper when I'm not sick. When I am sick, it is so much more high-pitched. Seriously. So, anywho, plenty to get to. We're going to be talking Alabama's new head coach, DeBoer, here in a moment. We've got the Texans and Browns to talk about still today. Obviously, more NFL playoffs with the Cowboys and Packers, the Steelers, Bucks, Eagles, etc. Still plenty to get to. I've been trying to break this thing up so that way we're not just NFL, NFL, NFL. Trying to break it up as much as possible. Mix up the subject matter a little bit. Speaking of which, if we have time, I really am going to try and, and touch on that Bucks game. But regardless, Alabama, their new head football coach, DeBoer, look, Already he's lost one of his main guys, right? Isaiah Bach. This is exactly what I talked about with being the new head coach at Alabama. You are going to have to deal with so many things. This is why the great Jim Rome said, you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy who followed the guy. Because the guy who follows the guy is going to have a lot to deal with. Number one, what I talked about was embracing Nick Saban while simultaneously making Alabama his own. And already the first sign of trouble is there seemingly to probably all over national media, I'm sure by now. I'm sure the conversation has been something to the effect of, well, look, he's already lost Isaiah Bond. He's getting out of Dodge because his coach is no longer there. That's what he said. It didn't have anything to do with NIL deals. Didn't have anything to do with somewhere he could go and make more money. Didn't, you know, wasn't a really lavish vehicle that was offered to him. None of that. He took off because his coach is no longer there. What they're going to leave out is that is something that is very commonplace in college athletics as it is. And this is why the transfer portal, one of the reasons why I support it. Because a coach's job is day-to-day anyways. Look what happened with Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, and, and even when he was at Cincinnati, both times left him for higher ground and more money. How many coaches get fired in the middle of the season? How many coaches get fired at the end of the year? You know, how many coaches leave and take jobs at other places? How many coaches retire? This is why... I think the transfer portal is a very good thing because if somebody doesn't want to be there anymore for their foot, for the new coach, you know, then they leave and they go somewhere where they think they could be a little bit more comfortable. 
and it's reasonable for them to be that way. Very reasonable. But regardless, this is it right here. So now DeBoer is already going to be getting his first taste of the media being all over his ass because your main guy is gone. And he's gone because the great Nick Saban is gone. How's he going to deal with it? How's he going to start making Alabama his own while embracing Nick Saban? This is one of those moments because it's going to have to be very simple. Look, man, Nick Saban did a bang-up job here. You know, his players loved him. He was a great guy. If people want to transfer because Nick Saban is no longer here, that's what the portal is there for. It's his prerogative. We hate to see him go. We're creating what we want to here in Alabama. We're going to maintain this. It's just a hurdle that we'll have to jump through. It's going to have to be that simple from his standpoint. And that's what he's going to have to say. Because anything else is going to be deemed as unacceptable. If he gets on a microphone and starts going on and on and on about how the players don't need to be leaving, nobody should be shaken up or worried, he doesn't understand what's going on, if he says anything about Nick, Nick Saban that can be taken out of pocket, out of line, any of that, it's going to be an issue. This is the first thing that I was talking about, and this is a perfect example right here of what is going on with Alabama right now. You know, Alabama fan is probably already freaking out. Well, Nick is gone. So it begins. You know, a lot of fans around the country are going, see, without Nick Saban, Alabama's not going to be much. Your guy's gone. If Isaiah Bond is leaving, who the hell is going to be following him out the door? And it is going to be very easy for them to say, well, Nick Saban isn't here anymore, so I left. It's going to be really easy. Even if they do get offered a boatload of NIL money from somewhere, you know, you go down to Texas and some car dealership says, look, man, I'm going to give you this big old lifted truck or whatever the case is. You know, you're going to be riding around looking lavish in front of everybody. We've got another sister dealership that's over here in this area. We're going to hook you up with commercial money and all kinds of other stuff. We're going to pay you to advertise us, plus we're going to let you drive around in this brand-new whip for free, Brody. You have to understand that this is what is going on in Alabama, and this is the way that it's going to be, and DeBoer's going to have a lot to work through. This is not like Washington, where Washington was – Really, basically, no man's land, and not just the Pac-12, but in terms of the national conversation. The team that had been to the college football playoff was long gone. All the other coaches and staff, players, they were all long gone. This is going to be an uphill battle for the most part for DeBoer. He's going to have to learn how to use his guys. He's going to have to spend so much time in that film room trying to figure out how he can utilize his offense combined with what he's been given at Alabama. These are not his recruits. These are not his players. He's only going to have a little bit of time to get to know them. He's only going to have a little bit of time to earn their trust. He's only going to have a little bit of time to sit down and talk with them. Team meetings, film study, 
How much different is it going to be from when Nick Saban is there? Because it's going to be really easy for somebody to go, well, you know what Coach Saban did? Well, this is how Coach Saban wanted me to do it. Yeah, but when Coach Saban was here, I guarantee you it's, he's going to deal with it. You know that he is. It is going to be an uphill battle. How does he say, that's great, Saban wanted it that way, I need it this way, this is what I do, this is how it looks. I would not be surprised if Alabama wins maybe eight or nine games coming up this season and a bunch of guys leave after that. He is going to have to bring in an all-new recruiting class and hope that the university is willing to give him a couple of years because he may have two, three years tops at this. And by the time his recruits come around, now you've got an entirely new-looking Alabama football team, but they've already been given their shot. It didn't work out. They're spoiled on the wins. They fired him, and now somebody else has to come in and do the exact same thing, and it becomes a revolving door at Alabama. And believe me when I tell you, giving him anything less than five years will be a mistake. You go down that path, and it is going to be really difficult to recover from. All right, everybody, we got bills to pay. We're going to take a break. Don't you touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up, and we are live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan, iTunes, iHeart, Google. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio. They're online 24-7, 365 at Block50Radio.com. You go to the website, guys. You can listen to their station live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. All the latest in hip-hop news is there. All the latest in sports news is there. All the latest and everything is there. And again, please forgive me. I am under the weather. Under the weather. If you hear some unnatural sound effects coming from my body, that's why. I apologize in advance. I am I am not feeling good at all. Like I said in the last segment, I was able to sleep in a little bit because the Bills game wasn't going on. But my goodness, I am still just feeling it. In the meantime, there is plenty to get to. Momentarily, we're going to be talking about the Texans and Browns. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys, Packers, Bills, Steelers, Bucks, Eagles. Which, really quick here, I, I want to I want to get into something before we talk about the Bills and the Steelers, and, and that is simply this. And and I want to be very clear in what I am about to say, and that is. There is not a football game out there that is more important than one person's life. And I want everybody to know exactly how I feel about this. I am okay with that game being postponed. Now, I understand that I have also said this. I don't agree with Monday football games being played during the playoffs because it puts you at a severe disadvantage. The initial schedule of a game being played on a Monday, I still stand by, 
is ridiculous. I don't agree with the Eagles and Bucks playing on Monday night because that game was initially scheduled for that time. I don't like it. Whoever wins that game has less time to prepare, less time to recover. There's just a million and one ins and outs. I, I just think that it's bad for football. Simultaneously, I want everybody to remember something. That in 2022, right before New Year's, very similar weather hit Buffalo and 40 people died. There were people that died because they didn't realize the snow had fell in in their chimney areas and sealed off the flu, and so they died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Well, that person must be really stupid, or that person didn't know. There is not one person's life that is less important. And everybody's talking about, well, this is why everybody needs to go to dome stadiums. This is why everybody needs to be in a dome stadium. Look, it was just really cold in Detroit, people. There wasn't this blizzard-like weather with stuff, you know, flying all over the place. We, we are talking about a travel ban. A travel ban. That's not going to be a full stadium this afternoon. It's not. We are talking about a travel ban because conditions are so bad. And you mean to tell me that you think everybody should get up in their clothes and try and get to that stadium, regardless of whether it's domed or not, all the players and everybody that's got to get there safely? Come on. It's it's fine. The game is happening. It's this afternoon. You're not missing anything. I, I cannot believe the amount of people. Football week is ruined and everybody's so soft now. Bro, stop it. Stop it. This is not the 1950s. The world is much more populated. There are more bodies out there. They lost a lot of lives a couple of years ago now. Just don't be that guy. Don't, okay? I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up around snow. You know, I I know when it's okay to go out in this stuff. And I know when it's like, man, you better be sitting your ass at home, bro. This is not good to travel in. This is not good travel weather. It's not good playing weather. Do I think that they should have postponed the Chiefs game in case you're just now listening? Yes, I do. I can't believe they allowed that game to go on. Having said that, the game is today. It's not being postponed again. I hope everybody got there safely that was heading to that football game. That includes players. That includes coaches. That includes fans. That includes family members. I don't know that the delay will necessarily have an effect on the game. This is a time when the weather probably will. We're, we're going to find out how physical the Buffalo Bills really are. I don't think you're going to be able to rely on Josh Allen to just rear back and throw the football. The Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have that capability anyways to begin with. And so this is probably going to be a, a game that is to 9-6, 6-3, 3-0, do not anticipate 50 points being up on that scoreboard when this thing is over. If it happens, great. You know, maybe the conditions will have calmed down enough to allow for that. But it's not something that I would I would expect, to be honest with you. And let's not forget how the Bills struggled against the Miami Dolphins last year in the playoffs in very similar conditions. And then again against the Cincinnati Bengals which Bills players were saying, man, if the game would have been in a dome, we would have won. Well, you didn't adjust to the conditions. The Cincinnati Bengals did. They adjusted their routes. 
they addressed they adjusted their play calling they made everything simplified they they adjusted to the weather the bills did not they kept trying to run all these complicated routes and all this stuff where you have to be able to stop on a dime and do all these things you're not going to be able to run a stop and go with weather like this it's not going to happen you're going to have to if you want to do a nine route you're just going to have to just straight out go deep no stop and go routes are going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to run, run real routes in this weather. It's not going to happen. So whether or not the Bills are able to adjust, unlike what they did against the Bengals a year ago, that's going to be the main question here. And again, Josh Allen has been very bad in the playoffs in turning the football over. Let alone what he's done this season with turning the football over. Let's forget about that. The playoffs have been even worse for him. You know, and I talked about the Dolphins game. He had three fumbles in that game. He only lost one of them, but he did have three overall, and that puts your football team in a very bad position. You are essentially losing downs when that happens. That's all there is to it. As far as the Bucks and Eagles go, look, weather's not necessarily something that's going to be on tap for this one, but I'll tell you what is, and that is Baker Mayfield. Look, the Bucks slid by. Location, location, location. They're in the NFC South, right? The Eagles struggled. They struggled with everything at the end of the season. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a team that if they beat the Bucks, is it really that good of a win is what you have to ask yourself because the Bucks are 9-8, and eight, and up until the last week of the year, there was still a chance that they would not have made the playoffs. So what you have to understand is that Baker Mayfield has a chance to do something that may not be seen as great, but it'll be seen as, well, at least he got a playoff win and potentially preserve himself for another year in Tampa Bay. He's got a really good group of receivers, and he hasn't been able to do much with them. Somebody's going to go, well, Tom Brady, they got in last year. They were 8-9, losing record of playoffs. How old was Tom Brady? I mean, damn, man, it catches up to everybody at some point. 45 years old before he finally was was rotten. Forty-five and still being able to, you know, get it done somewhat, get to the playoffs. Come on. So the way that I look at it is I don't know what a win for either one of these two teams mean at this point because the Bucks aren't that good because of the division that they were in. They were able to go ahead and get into the, sneak their way into the playoffs. The Eagles just tanked at the end of the season, and if they beat the Bucs, well, they beat a team that really wasn't that good, and so did the Bucks. They beat a team that really wasn't that good. I mean, it's almost like if you can't beat the Eagles right now, you really didn't deserve to be here. And this is one of the things that I've talked about over and over again. Just because you win your division does not mean that you should be in the playoffs. First of the worst, yeehaw. So we'll see how that game goes. Not necessarily one that I'm looking forward to watching. I'll tell you that much right now. I hope it's entertaining, but I'm not banking on it. I think it's going to be probably a blowout one way or the other or, or just really downright sloppy football. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after we pay these bills. Don't you dare touch that down.
Block 50 Global Radio. everybody i am drew duncan the show's fired up and we are live i am wherever you are listening to podcasts take a device to play fired up by drew duncan on itunes iheart google wherever you're listening i am there facebook twitter and instagram is all at drew duncan radio if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs and you miss the show live on the radio head on over to my youtube channel the real drew duncan the rl drew duncan where i do post entire episodes for free I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Radio, WBFR. Block50Radio.com is the website. You can listen live to all their streaming episodes, music, and more. Plenty is on the website for you to click on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, etc. It's all Block 50 Radio. Still plenty to get to here momentarily. We're going to be talking about the Texans and Browns. Of course, Dak, the Cowboys, and the Packers. That's all going to be on tap as well. And if I have time, I'm going to try really hard to get to that that Coach Brown situation. <laughs> the Well, I'd say what? I didn't get to see the whole game, obviously, because I was watching the playoffs. When I saw what happened, I was like, well, let me check out some highlights really quick. But, man, I'll tell you what, again, I'm, I'm just sick and being tired and all that. You know, you know how it goes when you're sick, man. Oh, my goodness. Everything gets achy. I've been pretty fortunate, so I, I keep my plays at 75 during the wintertime. And people are just like, you're crazy, you're crazy. First of all, I'm on the upper floor, and as we all know, heat rises. And so I don't really have to man- mess with my conditioning whatsoever. My unit stays at 75, and it hardly ever kicks on. Usually it's in the middle of the night. And with this negative three-degree weather, it's still pretty much been the same thing. Now, it's kicked on more than it normally does because, you know, when it's negative, it's negative. That's all there is to it. But because I just I don't touch it, I haven't turned it up, I haven't done anything, it is staying right there. I don't think my bill is going to be that much more. And for anybody wondering, I've got damn near 900 square feet in my place, and my bill has been averaging $88 a month. I know how to work. My unit, damn it. That's what she said. All right. Dak, Dallas, Green Bay. Boy, in the long line of things that I have talked about all season long, and really I've been saying this for a while, Dak Prescott is just really good during the regular season. I think he only had, what, nine interceptions, I think, this year. In fact, overall in his career, he's only got 1.9% interception ratio which is really damn good for the regular season in the playoffs however in five out of the seven games he's played in he's had at least one int mind you one of those games was against the bucks and that was when they were an eight nine football team from a season ago brady was at the end of his rope and that was it he's got a two to one ratio in the playoffs and everybody wants to talk about, well, man, he threw for how many hundreds of yards in that game? Like, garbage yards in the fourth quarter when it didn't matter anymore. He threw two interceptions. One of them was returned back for a touchdown, and they were down 27-0 to at that point. Do not sit there and tell me 
that, that Prescott is not responsible. And by the way, on that second interception he threw, Brody was wide open over the middle, but instead of throwing it to him, which he was leaving all that coverage that was in the middle, if he just would have thrown it to the man who was running that route right on the outside, he probably, he probably would have been in the end zone. That could have potentially turned that football game around right then and there. But he didn't do it. Said he threw it right to a Green Bay Packer. Wrong jersey color, Brody. Look, as far as Dak person, the person goes, I am a huge fan. I think he's a great example. Everybody always talks about athletes being role models. He is a hell of a role model. He has been so open with his mental health struggles and things that have happened with his mom and his brother. And all that stuff that he's gone through is extremely sad. It is not a personal attack on Dak Prescott. And I need Dallas Cowboy fan to understand that. This is not me taking one game and going, well, Dak's not the guy. Why are you being so mean to Dak after everything he's been through? This is not it. I jumped Skip Bayless's ass the minute he said he didn't feel sorry for Dak because of what he went through at his home because he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. That's not a fair statement. So please do not even begin to put me in the same league as that. I am with Dak all the way in terms of his mental health struggles, 110%. On the field, separate from all that, as a football player, he is 2-5 and five in the playoffs. And for all the whining and groaning that everybody did about Tony Romo, well, I think it's just about time that we did the same moaning and groaning finally for Dak Prescott and realize that he either A, needs a fresh start, or B, needs to accept that he is going to be a backup quarterback in this league. There have been wide receivers over the years that have said, we're leaving points on the field. Why are we leaving points on the field? Because Dak can't throw it more than 40 yards on target. Guys will literally have to stop and wait for the ball to get there because Dak Prescott cannot push the ball up the field. That's exactly what it is. We are not talking about one bad season or one bad playoff game. We are talking about multiple bad playoff games. We are talking about a losing record in the playoffs. We are talking about Jordan Love in his first ever playoff game in his first ever year as a starter showing up the veteran Dak Prescott. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a Green Bay football team who's probably going to get eliminated next weekend. Do you understand that? This is we're, – we're talking about a Green Bay football team. Yeah, the defense didn't play great. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you the defense didn't play great. But it's also really difficult to play defense when you're constantly behind the eight ball from start to finish in that game. Yeah, sure, Green Bay took the first drive down the field. Boom, got six. But there were multiple times in that football game where they started inside their own 15-yard line and they were still able to get long drives. I'm not saying the defense didn't play up to their level. I'm not saying that Micah Parsons is going to have a really hard time justifying all this on his podcast because he is. What, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Jordan Love, Green Bay Packer fan. What I am telling you is, when it boils down to it, I said at the beginning of the season that this has to be it. Deck Prescott, I put him in the same category as Josh Allen. I, this has got to be it. He has got to win at least one playoff game. I just said one. That's it. Just one playoff game 
to verify him staying there. And all everybody was talking about is Mike McCarthy. Why is Dak Prescott, as middle of the road as he is, basically a backup-type quarterback in this league, get to dictate whether or not a coach stays or goes? You know, and Dak was just like, well, if he's got to go, then I got to go too because it's on me. He's right. I'm not going to argue with that. It is on him. And if you are going to fire McCarthy, then you damn sure better get rid of Dak. You cannot have that type of performance consistently in the playoffs and expect to win football games. He's had multiple playoff games with multiple interceptions. I know that there was one playoff game where he didn't have the interceptions and they still lost. Things happen. The reality is, if I had to choose a quarterback in the regular season, sure, I'm taking Dak Prescott. If I've got to choose a quarterback in the playoffs, I'm going number 15. That's all there is to it. Dak Prescott is not that guy. He hasn't been that guy since he was at Mississippi State when I saw him play against Georgia Tech. All year long, I was critical. Everybody kept talking about what he was going to be like in the NFL. Well, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, dude, no. (laughs) He doesn't turn the football over. That's it. Georgia Tech really exposed Dak for who he was even back then, and not much has changed in terms of what he can do on the football field. He should be a backup, and he will be a backup when Dallas gets rid of him. Unless he gets, you know, lucky like a Derek Carr and just finds himself in a situation where a team just could not find a quarterback and they needed somebody ASAP. It could happen with the Minnesota Vikings because we don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins, but that could be his window. So we'll see. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up. Brought to you by WBFR Block 50 Radio. Block50radio.com is the website. We got bills. We're going to take a break. Don't you touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up, and we are live, and I am sick. So if I don't sound like I normally do, don't have all the energy. I apologize in advance. Guys, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, Deezer, etc. Wherever you're listening to podcasts, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Radio, Block 50 Radio, which is block50radio.com. You can listen 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. Although, is this, this is a leap year, ain't it? So it'll be 366, right? This is a leap year, right? Pretty sure it's a leap year. Anywho, regardless, you get the point. Block 50 Radios on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, etc. All Block 50 Radio. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan. I post entire episodes there for free. Can't promise you there won't be any ads, but I can promise you it'll be for free. Only thing I ask in return is that you hit the sub button for me. 
wonder how hard Detroit partied last night, man. I was just thinking about that. Like, if I was in that city right now, <laughs> if I was, like, 10 years younger, I'd probably want to be in somewhere like Detroit right now, knowing that it's going down. But being being 40 now, I'm just like, bro, <laughs> I, I, would, I would definitely just stay inside, maybe look out, see some of the BS going on, throw somebody a cheers or something. Real quick here, I do I do want to touch on this because I, I did finally get a chance to go and take a look at the exact situation where, where Coach Brown was talking about how he got hooked, and he did. Now, was it a tough hook? Was it like a full-on hook? No, but it was a hook. Do plays happen like that every day in the NBA? Absolutely, they do. But then again, the initial play that he was talking about, you go back and you look at it, that was pretty much a BS call too. And you could hear Brown, when the hook happened, throw the – call the foul call the I mean like he was going in and at first it looked like the official was going to kind of let him go off a little bit then after about another 10 seconds went by he had had enough of that and he teed him up and said bro you're gone you're outie bro look Mike Brown is representing how everybody has felt about the officiating in the NBA this year it has potentially been the worst that it has ever been on a consistent basis Giannis' ejection was nonsense. I mean, come on, man. They called a technical on LeBron for flopping, people. When that happens, you know the NBA has officially imploded with the referees taking over the game. I don't know what the deal is, but again, I want to reiterate something here, that if this was the year for anybody to worry about whether or not the NBA is tainted, this could certainly be it. This could certainly be it. All the interviews with Tim Donahue, Michael Francesi, all that stuff that's out there where they're telling you players can't be bought anymore because they're making too much damn money. However, you better go and check the refs. Telling you what. And the thing is, is once again, and, and I know that everybody in the comment section keeps saying referees should have full-on interviews after the game is over, the league is not going to allow it. They just fined Darko twenty-five grand for speaking out against the officiating. What do you think is going to happen to Mike Brown? Seriously. Here's the deal. Again, I want to reiterate this. Refs, if they are allowed to give a statement, write a statement, they submit it to the NBA, the NBA goes over what they can and can't say. Literally, they proofread this thing, and then they go, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say. This is what you're not going to say. You're going to get on that podium. You're going to say whatever it is you got to say. And then you are going to walk out of there because nobody from the media is allowed to ask questions. Now, they find players for not talking to the media. They find coaches for not talking to the media. But they keep the referees way over here in this dark corner. I want you to really sit back and think about that for just a moment. The responsibility of the media is to make sure that the powers that be always have somebody to answer to. The referees are answering to the NBA, but they are not having to answer to the public, which is a big problem, people. It is a big problem. 
They don't want them to get tripped up. They don't want them to get caught up. This is what the NFL went through, right? Remember the deflate gate thing? And, you know, all these ball boys and all that started getting interviewed and everybody starts tripping up over their words and this and that and the third's going on. Man, I'm telling you what, the NBA does not want a similar situation. And that is exactly what they are getting themselves into if they start allowing referees to be a part of the after the game questioning. They start letting them in those press conferences, it's going to blow wide open and their league is going to look really, really bad. And that's all there is to it. All right, really quick here, Texans and Browns from the weekend. Look, I said that Joe Flacco, great story and everything for what he's done at his age And for what was going on in his life before he ended up back in the NFL, pretty good. But I did not want to glaze over the fact that he had eight interceptions and only a few football games. Not a good ratio. 13 to 8 does not look good. And if he would have played an entire season, I'm not sure that the Browns would have been in the position that they were in. I'm just keeping it a buck. And then, of course, he had a couple of interceptions in that football game. Like, I think Joe Flacco probably retires after this. I think anybody who watched that playoff performance is going to go, okay, a good little couple of games. We all kind of whited out those eight interceptions. Uh, let's see what he does in the playoffs. Bismal. He got outshined by a rookie for the second time in his career. Let's not forget that he got benched in place of Lamar Jackson when the Ravens had a losing record. Lamar came in and got him to the playoffs. Let's not forget that at all. Well, they went six, seven games in a row, something like that, to end the season with Lamar Jackson as their guy. He went to Denver. He didn't do anything with the Broncos. Right? Then he comes back to Cleveland. He played good given the circumstances. But like I said, those turnovers are eventually going to catch up to you regardless of how good that defense is. And it bit him. No Nick Chubb, it bit him. I love Kareem Hunt, but he's not nearly who he used to be. And the reality is, is without Nick Chubb, without having that balance, the Cleveland Browns were not going to win that football game. Joe Flacco made some very errant throws, and I think his career is over. Simultaneously, as everybody knows who follows this program, I am not the one to get on anybody and jock ride him right away or anything, I, but I'll, I'll give C.J. Stroud his props because this Houston Texans team feels very different with him. Now, I don't know that that win over the Browns would have been that good, but it's certainly great for that organization and all that yada yada stuff that people love to say. The bottom line is it's good for C.J. Stroud. I don't think they go to the Super Bowl, but I certainly think that going forward, it helps his confidence. You know, there's the, quote, sophomore slump that happens. I've always said it takes four years to truly learn how to be a quarterback in this league. He's already dealt with injury, so we'll see how it goes. Really good game. Definitely outplayed Joe Flacco, that's for damn sure. He has breathed life into that ball club him and that head football coach have done an outstanding job of working together to make things happen I'm not going to take anything away from him I think it was a really good win now do I think going forward he's the next great thing I'm still on wait and see it's one season 
a lot of quarterbacks have had one really good season. And a lot of quarterbacks have completely fell off after that one really good season. I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. I'm not going to get carried away. We're obviously going to be talking more about this coming weekend's matchup as the season progresses or as, you know, the week progresses. But I got it because there'll be some more ins and outs, I'm sure. But in the meantime, hell of a football game for C.J. Stroud. Hell of a football game for the Houston Texans who fought all year long, got in the playoffs at the last minute, have done everything that they have needed to do. I'll give the kid his props, but as far as Flacco goes, saw it coming. And, uh, you know, again, you, you look at a coach that was willing to take risks with their guy, push the football up the field, playoffs, man. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. <laughs> 